Well, grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you have a Bible, you might be turning to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, we're continuing this series where we're looking at Christ hymns within the New Testament. You know, sometimes it's interesting when you introduce a new song into a congregation. It can go good or it can go bad. <laughs> so um, this is a short series, but what I'm hoping to do is kind of invite us to go back to the first century, to think about what it would be like in one of these house churches. And here comes Paul with a new song. And he says, I want you to sing this. And so um, I invite you to do that this morning as we think about Philippians 2. You know, music is an important part of our lives. It can inspire us. It can make us cry. You know, just last Sunday, I was watching the, the national anthem being sung at the Super Bowl, and the camera focuses on this football player who, who just has tears running down his face. This wasn't the first time he had heard this song. He had heard it hundreds of times before. But being in this moment, listening to this performance, it caused him to well up with emotion. And we know this. Songs can create strong feelings within us. You know I've got to talk about Bob Dylan. And so uh, when, when Bob Dylan went electric, people booed him. They, they didn't leave the show. They didn't stop coming to his shows. People were present because they wanted to, to make their disapproval known. And in fact, it's interesting, you can actually hear this on the recording, but in one of the first shows after Dylan goes electric, you can hear an audience member yell very loudly, Judas! <laughs> People felt betrayed. Why do songs evoke such strong emotions? I believe it's because we know how important songs are. They speak to our spirit. And when we are singing them, our, our, our spirit within us is crying out. This is why we do not want to sing anything that is not true. We don't want to listen to anything that offends us because songs are special. They, they mean something. They, they connect with us on a deep level. They can get us through difficult times in our lives. They, they, they speak to us and for us on a level that, that many other mediums just don't. And so we saw last week how a, a simple song sung in a house church in Colossae helped to change the world. And so this week we want to turn our attention to Philippi, where Roman citizenship was a huge deal. The city of Philippi took pride in its status as a Roman colony. They prized strength and power, and they looked down upon weakness. Emperors and generals were lauded, and servants and slaves were despised. And we need to understand all this. We need to understand this context when looking at this hymn in Philippians 2 that, that Paul brings to this little house church. Now, when this song is first introduced, I, I doubt anyone booed, but there were likely some people who felt uncomfortable. There may have been some people who were squirming in their seats. More than one or two of them may have questioned whether it was right to even sing this song. 
And it's possible that someone visiting that day accused Paul of being a Judas, a traitor. Because you see this hymn that he gave this church in Philippi contradicted many of the values that were upheld within that city. It undermined what they celebrated in their culture. To borrow a phrase from the book of Acts, this hymn would have turned their world upside down. And so imagine sitting in that house church in Philippi and hearing this song for the very first time. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Why do we sing hymns? Well, we sing them because they're true. We sing them because we are honoring and praising God. He is worthy of our worship. But let me also suggest that we sing them because hymns should change us. Now, the background of this letter is that there was some rivalry going on among the Christians in this church. They weren't getting along. They were living by the values of Philippi. They were trying to conquer one another and overcome one another. And in chapter 4 and verse 2, Paul even calls some of them out by name. He says, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. He's saying here, stop it. Stop what you're doing. Don't live that way. Live another way. You know, it's easy for us to lose focus or to get our priorities mixed up. And the hymns that we sing should alter our focus to what it needs to be on. Our songs should rearrange our priorities to, to get them back in order. This is what hymns do. And this is important because there are powers and forces in the world that, that influence us in a negative way. They convince us that we should be clinging to power. They convince us that we should go to war against flesh and blood, against one another. They convince us that we should hate and despise people created in the image of God. You know, we turn on the TV, we turn on the radio, we turn on our computer, and we're told, you should not like this person because... And we then devote our time and energy to doing whatever these voices tell us to do. 
our priorities get mixed up. We take our focus off of Jesus. And the hymns that we sing every Sunday should shift our focus. They should rearrange our priorities. Because our focus needs to be on Jesus. Our our number one priority should be seeking the kingdom of God. And we need hymns because most of us, myself included, need to, to hit the reset button every Sunday. We need to sing these songs because they remind us of who we are to be and how we are to live. There were some people in this church at Philippi who were living like Philippians. They were getting their values from the city in which they lived. They were being influenced by the culture around them. And here comes Paul and he says, I I, I have a hymn that you need to sing every time you gather. Here comes Paul reminding them that they are citizens of heaven. That their values need to come from God, not Rome. That they need to be imitating Jesus, not the emperor. They need to live out the teachings and realities of this song. Now, the the hymn itself begins in verse 6. If you're looking there in your Bibles, chapter 2, verse 6. But Paul sets it up in the verses just before. And it's important to kind of go back a few verses and, and read what he says there. He says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Humility is the ultimate Christian virtue. We're not to live selfishly, but instead we are to humble ourselves. And so as we go through life, we are to consciously think of others. Life is not just about what I want and what I like. We need to to consider the interests of others. We need to serve others. We need to live life with others in mind. And Paul says all of this, but, but he doesn't stop there. Now, someone may be hearing these instructions and they may wonder, you know, why? Why should I be humble? Why should I live for others? And we have to remember that that in the ancient world, humility was thought of as a vice rather than a virtue. And so people in ancient times were not encouraged to be humble. They saw humility as a weakness. It was something that they avoided. So it's quite possible that, that, that some people in this church in Philippi may have been asking, why? Why, Paul? Why should we do this? Why should we live this way? And Paul answers this question with a hymn. We should live humble lives because it's how Jesus lived. But it's more than this. Humility is who Jesus is. It's his very essence. This is why Paul doesn't just encourage the Philippians to live like Jesus. He tells them and he tells us to have the mind of Jesus. And so we are to see the world as Jesus sees it. 
We are to approach, a pe- approach people the way that Jesus approached people. We're to have the same philosophy of life as Jesus does. And what's so amazing about this hymn is that it encompasses the life of Jesus in six verses. And so it's almost like a fifth gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they give us the life of Jesus using lots and lots of verses and chapters. But Paul comes along and he does it in six verses. And he begins with the eternal Jesus, the pre-incarnate Jesus. Jesus before he took on flesh and blood. He says, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. And so even before Jesus comes to earth, he is willing. He's not too proud to take on flesh. He does not think so highly of himself that he's unwilling to live life with human beings. And even though he is God, he does not use his status in a selfish way. And so if you want to know what it means that God is love, I would suggest that you study this verse and the the couple that come after it. Now some scholars point out how the phrase here, equality with God, would have been understood by those familiar with the imperial cult, those who are worshiping the emperor. You see, the, the emperor of Rome did regard equality with God as something to be grasped. He had no problem being thought of as a god. And so just think about the contrast here. The emperor, who is a mere man, wants to be a god and wants others to think of him as a god. Jesus, who is God, is willing to leave heaven and become a man. Who are you going to follow? Who are you going to trust? The emperor is pretending to be someone he is not. Whereas Jesus gives us every reason to follow and trust him. The next lines in the hymn explore the incarnation but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. We learn in the first lines of the hymn that Jesus, who is God, was more than willing to take on flesh and come to earth. Now in these verses, we learn that he did more than anyone could imagine. Because Jesus doesn't just become a human. It says here that he takes the form of a servant. He doesn't come to to live as a nobleman or a king. He comes to live as a slave. Now that may not be too shocking to us. It would have been very shocking to the people of Philippi in the first century who were hearing this hymn. What did the citizens of Philippi think about servants? How did they view slaves? Well, they didn't think of them as equals. They didn't value their humanity. They thought of them as property. 
They thought of them as a lower class, one that did not deserve all the rights given to a citizen. And this is the very thing that Jesus came to be. Meditate on this. God became poor. God became a day laborer. God became homeless. God became a servant. Now, do you think God can identify with your situation? Do you think God is able to understand your troubles? Absolutely, He is. And why would He do this? Why would He do this? Well, we're told that He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. In other words, it's in Jesus' very nature to think of others rather than Himself. And this is love. Love leads Jesus to leave heaven and come to earth. Love leads Jesus to take on flesh. Love leads Jesus to become a servant. Love leads Jesus to go to the cross. It leads him to suffer and die for all people, not just his friends, but for his enemies as well. This is humility. This is love. And the song could end there, but it doesn't. In the song, we've explored up to this point the eternal Christ and the incarnate Christ. But now it shifts to the ascended Christ and the future Christ. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Who really has power? Who really is in control? You ever thought about that? It's not the emperor who's trying to be a god. It's Jesus. He alone is deserving of glory. He is truly Lord. Who do you bow before in the ancient world? Who do you confess as Lord? Well, most people would have told you it's the emperor. It's what the citizens of Philippi would have been accustomed to doing. But in this small house church on the outskirts of town, these Christians professed another reality. They sang every Sunday that that, that only Jesus is worthy of the title Lord. They sang that, that one day everyone is going to bow their knee to Jesus. Now, it certainly didn't look this way in the streets. Out in the world, it looked as if Rome was in charge. Rome was running things. And it was only in this house church that you heard anything different. And and those who heard it may have thought that these Christians were crazy. But this is what they sang Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. 
And the world kept marching on. And these Christians kept singing. Now let me ask you this. Who got it right? Was it the citizens of Philippi who followed men who were seeking power? Or was it the Christians who attended this little house church and followed a servant who laid down his power? Consider this. How many of you know the name of the man in charge of Philippi during this time? The man who ran everything? You know, he was known by everyone in town. You know his name? What about the the general who's in charge of the Roman army? You remember him? Can you name any of the senators in Rome from this time period? One, two, any of them? What about the emperor? Now, some of you may have guessed Nero. You'd be right. But do you know the emperor came before him? Do you know the one who came after him? Most of these people have been forgotten. They did not leave a lasting impact on this world. They thought they had power. They believed it, but they did not. Now let me ask you another question. Can you tell me the name of the Jewish carpenter who devoted himself to serving others and was crucified on a cross? Sure you can. That's why you're here today. Do you think your neighbor could name him? Do you think the, the, the person who cuts your hair or works on your car could, could tell you his name? Absolutely. What, what about your atheist co-worker? I, I bet he would even know. Is this man known anywhere else? Well, yes, he is. 2,000 years later, people all over this world still know his name. They still talk about what he did. I would say that is a lasting impact. And so who got it right? The citizens of Philippi or the Christians who devoted themselves to singing this unusual and radical hymn? Well, the answer is obvious. It's the ones who followed a man that everyone still knows and remembers. And so may we be like those courageous Christians who met in a house in the midst of a Roman colony. May we choose Jesus even when it seems strange and crazy and out of vogue to do so. May we learn from his example and choose not to cling to power, but to live a life of humility, just as he did. Let's pray. Dear God, we come before you this morning, and we're so thankful for the songs that you've given us, the songs that we sing, 
Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. These hymns that help us keep our focus, that help us set our priorities in the way that they should be set. I pray that when we come here that we don't just sing these songs, but we allow them to speak to us and transform us. And I pray that you would work through the hymns that we sing and the scriptures that we read so that we may look more and more like your son Jesus, a man who showed us what humility is all about and taught us how to live. I pray that we do not believe all the lies that we hear in this world, the lies that come to us over the television or through the radio or on our computer, but that we focus our attention on the truth of Jesus, and we choose to live his way. We pray this in his name. Amen.